Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. That's right, Dorothy. This is Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. I'm your host, Betty Jo Tucker, speaking to you from beautiful Pueblo, Colorado, on this 25th day of August, 2009. And what a great show we have for you today, dear listeners. That's why we have David Ordovis, a multimedia journalist, from KOAA-TV, a local affiliate of NBC here in my so-called office, to help us pay tribute to iconic film director Alfred Hitchcock. And joining us in a few minutes will be two of our favorite guests, film critics James Cold Harrison and Diana Sanger, who are both knowledgeable and passionate about classic films. They recently served as panel members at Robert Osborne's Classic Film Festival. James is working on a book about Hollywood studios, and Diana is the creator and editor of Classic Movie Guide, a terrific website for movie buffs. But first, let's check with my loyal Movie Addict Headquarters partners, Nikki Starr and Jazz Shaw, to see if they're ready to help with the show. Nikki, is the chat room open for listeners who'd like to participate? It most certainly is, and we are ready to go. Great. We really appreciate our chatters, as well as all our other listeners. And thanks to you, Nikki, for being such a helpful chat wrangler, among other things, of course. And Jazz, have you been doing research on Alfred Hitchcock these past few days? Eh, I had to go back and touch up on a few things, but it didn't require a lot for me. I'm one of the few people who has probably seen every one of Alfred Hitchcock's movies, including some of the real stinkers. <laughs> well, lucky, lucky you. Even with some some of his stinkers are better than many other directors' films. Absolutely so true. I'm not going to feel sorry for you about about that one. And because David may not be able to stay through the entire show, I'd like to say hello to David Ordovis and thank him for being here today. Welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters, David. Hello, Betty Joe. Thank you for having me here. We're very excited about it and eager to see uh, the filming on KOAA-TV, and I think Nikki will be sending out information to our mailing list about uh, where this can be viewed. So now we're turning to the subject of iconic film director Alfred Hitchcock, and there's so much to cover with this legendary filmmaker Before his death in 1980, at the age of 91, he had made over 60 films, earned four Oscar nominations, and became known as the master of suspense. I think he truly deserves being inducted into our Screen Legends Hall of Fame. 
I love what the film encyclopedia said about Alfred Hitchcock. Quote, he's a supreme technician and stylist with an unmistakable imprint and a great visual artist. So now it's my great pleasure to bring in our two guests. Diana, welcome back to Movie Addict Headquarters. Thank you, Betty Jo. I'm very excited to be here today. I knew you would be because you love Alfred Hitchcock movies, and uh, I know you and I have talked about them a couple of times before on the show. And we're also happy that James could make it uh, in from La Jolla, right, James? (laughs) Are you eager to talk about Alfred Hitchcock? I'm always eager to talk about anybody in the movies. I know you are. (laughs) Definitely. Well, we'll have to have you in to talk about Rob Schneider. (laughs) How would that work? (laughs) Did I pick the right? He's a great actor. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. They're all great actors to James, I think. Well, I'm I'm very very eager to get started talking about uh, Alfred Hitchcock, but let's give Jazz the floor for the first question because he's seen all of Alfred Hitchcock's movies. Yeah, and we should probably start with Diana. We always do the ladies first thing. So, uh, Diana, aside from his tremendous good looks and obvious sex appeal, what do you think was the secret to uh, Hitchcock's success? <laughs> well, he was very good looking. <laughs> I think he was different, and he knew what he wanted, and he was stubborn to a fault about getting that. And um, he never improvised or deviated from what he had planned. He was a meticulous planner about every film and every detail. And I think he adhered to those values over the years, and that's what put him where he was. I agree. Uh, James, uh, I've heard that a lot, that he was almost anal retentive in ways and and could be a tyrant to work with at times because he would – demand a lot out of the staff, but but what what do you think set him apart? Well, of course, he was a perfectionist, but I think what set him apart for me was that he had a great sense of humor. Despite the fact that he always did macabre films, there was always a little bit of humor in, in everyone, and uh, I think that uh, distinguished him from just doing a straight horror movie or a fright movie. And um, I always laughed at a lot of the things in his movies that were very, very subtle. Well, I agree with you both. And uh, but I, I also think that he gave us, oh my gosh, rich, strange, mysterious movies that tapped into some of our deepest fears. None of us want to be wrongly accused of something dreadful. And <laughs> so many of of his <laughs> heroes and heroines. Uh, are facing facing that, and then the way his films looked, he he was almost like a a, a painter and a, a poet. The way he used form and symbols to, to create that exquisite suspense. Also, look at those seductive villains that he had in his movies. It he made evil seem seductive. And I think that that showed us how, you know, a man may smile and smile and be a villain. I think they really illustrated Shakespeare's uh, term. Not but just seductive, Betty Jo, but, but as James was saying, is, could it not be argued that Hitchcock was kind of the originator of black comedy, of creepy comedy, of taking something that wasn't traditionally funny in the early days of movies and still making you laugh, albeit maybe a little uncomfortably, at at some things that wouldn't normally be thought of as funny. He could inject humor into some really dire places, couldn't he? Oh, exactly, Jazz. I agree with you there. 
Yes, and um, I'm, I'm going to, since David is still here and is an Alfred Hitchcock fan, um, David, what are your uh, top favorite Alfred Hitchcock films? If I had to pick, I would say that Psycho is my number one favorite film, but it's a very close, uh, in a very close second would be Rear Window. Uh, I love that one as well. I think you've made some some great picks there. I can hardly wait to see what comes out as our our top five. And you know, this is the where I get in a lot of trouble because I'm not ambidextrous, and I'm going to try and put down <laughs> the names of the films as uh, Diana, James, and Jazz mention their picks, and then and then I'll try to count too. <laughs> so maybe David. <laughs> Don't maybe David will gum. Have, yeah, <laughs> get me some gum, and maybe David can help here, especially with the counting. So why don't we go with you, Diana? What are your top uh, top five Hitchcock films, and why? Well, I'm not sure they're in any particular order, but um, I really, really liked I Confess, 1953, with Montgomery Clift and Ann Baxter. You know, oh, yeah. Hitchcock had this thing about mixing romance with film and it's with terror and fear in almost all his films and you will find this theme over and over in most of them and, and this happened in this one it was about two uh, a young couple who fell in love he goes off to war she gets married to someone else he comes back and becomes a priest and um ends up hearing a confession of murder and then because he won't reveal that confession gets framed for the murder but the right. the wrong man again <laughs> yeah the wrong yeah the cinematic aspects of it were just incredible um to Catch a Thief, although most of it is kind of cliche. Again, it was if you learn about the making of that film, it was that that was fascinating and, and finding more, out more about Hitch's style and things that, that do go on behind the movies. Uh, but wow. again, it's the same theme, you know, with um, Grace Kelly and Cary Grant and romance and fear and about the, the thief, of course. Notorious. Um, you know, you can't say too much about that. Played perfectly by Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman. Again, that mm. fear and romance factor. Um, Rear Window, what can you say more than Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly? Again, the romance, terror, or fear. And uh, Rebecca, this was his uh. 1940 film with Laurence Olivier and Joan Fontaine. The same thing. He marries this woman, drags her off to his mansion, and she has to try and I replaced the memory of his dead former wife, and it's full of intrigue and suspense. Wow, those are great. I confess, To Catch a Thief, Notorious, Rear Window, and Rebecca, great choices. What about you, I kinda, James? I kind of stayed away oh, sorry. from the cliche ones. <laughs> from, from what? I, I kind of stayed away from the cliche ones, you know. You certainly so did. Yeah, the famous yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah, well... But these are these are wonderful selections. And uh, James, do you have any of the same ones that Diana mentioned? Uh, I have a couple, but uh, you asked for five, and I came up with twelve. But oh I'll, no! I'll, <laughs> well, take the first five. <laughs> I'll have to pick uh, some of my favorites. Uh, one that wasn't mentioned was Rope, R-O-P-E, made in oh, 1948 yes. with Farley Granger and John Dahl, and Diana's boyfriend James Stewart, and the. Right. The distinguishing thing about this film uh, was two things. Uh, one, the leading men were in a gay relationship, w which was unheard of in those days, in 1948. And uh, Hitchcock did long 10-minute takes on all the scenes, so there were no 
breaks or cuts uh, like in a regular movie. And it was difficult to light it because the sky was supposed to be changing outside the windows. But it was a great film because the dead man was stuffed into a chest in the living room and they were having a party and putting the food on top of the chest, which which was a funny situation. Again, if you aren't in the trunk, <laughs> if you weren't in the trunk, yeah. <laughs> then I liked Rebecca, of course, with Joan Fontaine, Judith Anderson, and Cary Grant. And the thing that always struck me about Joan Fontaine, although she was a great actress, she always looked constipated with the expression on her face. She oh was no! Funny. <laughs> it worked <laughs> in Rebecca, though. <laughs> but Judith Anderson was terrific in that film. She was so evil; you just loved her. <laughs> And, again, Suspicion with uh, Cary Grant and Joan Fontaine was a good film. And one of my all-time favorites is Lifeboat with Tallulah Bankhead. Now, nobody was bigger in life than Tallulah Bankhead, who was a great stage star and made a few films, but not many. But she was always bigger than the material and bigger than the rest of the cast. And uh, it was all shot in a small lifeboat in a tank on the 20th Century Fox lot. And really? And in the lifeboat wearing a mink coat and diamonds. Uh, I mean, how Hollywood can you get? That was, <laughs> I love that, it. That was wonderful. <laughs> then there was, uh, let's see, do I have one more? Uh, Spellbound with Gregory Peck and Ingrid Bergman. And the interesting thing about that film was that uh, Hitchcock got artist Salvador Dali to design the dream sequence sets and uh, sequences in that film, and it made it uh, stand out, certainly, with his talent. Right, and that was one of the films that um, Alfred Hitchcock was nominated for, for Best Directing. Let's see, that was Spellbound, Lifeboat was another one, and Psycho and Rear Window, those were the four. So you have Rope. And and Rebecca, there was five, Betty Jo. Oh, Rebecca. Well, Rebecca got the uh, Best Picture, Right. Uh, And Joan Fontaine, I think, won her Oscar for that one, didn't she? Suspicion, I think. Oh, Suspicion. Yeah, I I think Suspicion. I do, too, but they're both similar in a way, but both great films. So you've got Rope and Rebecca and Suspicion and Lifeboat and Spellbound. How about you, Jazz? Are are you uh, on the bandwagon here with James and Diane, or do you have some others to pick? Well, James stole some of my thunder because out of, oh, uh, I mostly went for the, the cliché ones, as Diana wanted to put it, but my number one pick was Lifeboat, perhaps for slightly different reasons, although I love uh, love Tallulah in that. Oh, great. I thought Lifeboat was a very challenging film for audiences because given the time period that it was set in and it made the viewer question their feelings about the stereotypical Germans are always bad, and you have this German stuck in the lifeboat with these people that you relate to as being the good people, and how the story turns as it goes on, you know, yeah. are we actually the bad ones? And and it was a very challenging film. Uh, the rest of mine, not to take up the whole show, uh, number two on my list would have been The Birds, stereotypical, I'm sure, but I still remember it as a child. They were already showing it in reruns on TV frightened the heck out of me, and I still love the birds to this day. Uh, I loved Vertigo. I also picked uh, dial for Murder, and one, I, yeah. I was I, I was really kind of on the fence about the last one, but I decided to go with Frenzy. With Frenzy? Frenzy. Yeah. Okay. 
So you have Lifeboat, The Birds, Vertigo, Dial M for Murder, and Frenzy. Yep. And those, uh, you do have some unusual choices there. And um, my choices are Vertigo. I have that on my in my top five, no matter when people ask me what are your top five films of all time, <laughs> Vertigo is always there, and maybe not at first place, but but it's either second or third. I thought it was the most hauntingly beautiful film that I've ever seen, and it gave the James Stewart gave the the best depiction of obsession that's ever been on film, and I was so happy when Vertigo at least was nominated for art direction because the colors, the cinematography in that movie were just great, and as was the sound, and I could watch it over and over and over again. And then North by Northwest, another visual treat. I mean, the just dazzling scenes. Um, Cary Grant being strafed by that that plane. <laughs> that was just, that's a scene that, that you never forget. Never, and, never forget that. And the Mount Rushmore, you know, on the the scenes scenes on Mount Rushmore and the and the suspense that you had about what was going to happen there, and I do have uh, Strangers on a Train. I don't think anybody has picked Strangers on a Train, but I thought that uh, Robert Walker's performance of the villain in Strangers on a Train was was just something special, and that particular story has been done since then about the two people who meet, and each one decides to do the do the murder of the other of the person that the other one wants to get rid of, <laughs> and then one backs out. I just think it's a great scene, and then the scene where uh, when one woman is being strangled, you see it. You see what's happening in the lens of her glass, of her glasses that have fallen to the ground. What a visual trick that was. So Vertigo, North by Northwest, Rebecca, Strangers on a Train, and The Birds. So let me count. (laughs) Rebecca has one, two, three, top five picks. Uh, Vertigo has one, two. Oh, darn it, I want to cheat on that one. Okay, Vertigo has two, <laughs> Rebecca three, Lifeboat has two, and The Birds has two. So what do we have as number one? There. Rebecca we have. Rebecca, the, yeah. the, we have the movie that won the best uh, movie of the year that year, and that was Alfred Hitchcock's first movie, I believe, when he came from, from Hollywood, so he certainly did himself uh, proud on that. I want to thank all the the people who have sent me emails and the people who responded from Twitter and Facebook. I have never gotten so much response as I have with this Alfred Hitchcock tribute. It was so, a great subject, Betty Joe, and, you, and you've been drawing a crowd in the chat. As Nikki will tell you, AJ has shown up and has been putting in his comments in chat. You know, well, but. wonderful because I was just going to mention the Mad Movie Man. He was sorry yeah. that he couldn't be on the show, but he made it. That's good. But his picks: Rope for number one, Psych. Psycho for number two, and Shadow of a Doubt for number three. So hi, Mad Movie Man. We're so glad that you could make it. Now, so many people did uh, contact me that I'm going to um, do a little tally after the show of uh, what films came out as the top five, and I will put that on the website. So um, don't worry. We'll we'll have someone watching me count so that I'm 
I don't make vertigo come out number one, but it's going to be pretty hard. <laughs> no, pretty hard. Now, Nikki, what about um, Mad Movie Man is in the chat? Are there any other films in the that are being mentioned in the chat that you you would like to bring up to us? Well, it's just it seems pretty unanimous. The Birds and Psycho. I think in the chat at least Psycho, and of course AJ's here, and I was going to spoil his. His, what he sent in, but you already did, so he is here. <laughs> Great. And Psycho and the Bird seems to be... Win- well, um, I think maybe because they're the most popular. That's true. They were the most popular with the public, I right. think. And I if think so, too. The, the people in the chat, on other listeners, if you haven't heard Tippi Hedren's interview on Movie Addict Headquarters, be sure to check the archives, because Tippi Hedren talks about working with Alfred Hitchcock in The Birds, and she she tells some very funny and very interesting stories about that, that experience. That was a great interview. Oh. It and was it a great interview. So, so I, I recommend that uh, highly. So I think we have some excellent choices here. It is hard to choose from over 60 films, but um, I think we, we did a pretty Should we move along to the actors and actresses, Betty Jo? Because I was going to Oh, ask, that would be... Know, that would be great. Let's do right. that, Jen. Well, why don't we move on to actors first, and why don't we switch around and start with James this time. Uh, who do you think were the best uh, the males on the screen? Who were the best actors with performances in Hitchcock films? Well, I, I did try to pare this down to five, but I've got Farley Granger and John Dahl in Rope, Cary Grant in Notorious, Gregory Peck in Spellbound, and James Stewart in three films, Vertigo, Rear Window, and The Man Who Knew Too Much. Boy, that's hard to argue with. But I love Claude Rains, especially in Notorious. He's my all-time favorite character actor. He was so terrific. Oh, he was great. I miss him. I just I loved him in films. I do, too. So you had Farley Granger and John Dahl, is that right? And Cary Grant. Cary Grant and Notorious. And James Stewart in three films. And Claude Rains in Notorious. And Gregory Peck. I threw Claude Rains in because I couldn't bear to not mention him. And Gregory Peck in Spellbound. In Spellbound. Yeah, we should yeah. we should move on to Diana, but I will say you don't have to bother asking me because James basically stole my list. Oh no! <laughs> wow, yeah, that, that was you almost my have... entire list right there. So. Oh, you're kidding. No, I'm not at all. Um, you Diana, two agree. Did, did we miss any? <laughs> did we well, miss any? Well, I, I would say Diana. Um, I mean, we had. I would say we have to go with the biggest film, Anthony Perkins. I mean, you know, one and one equals two. Um, And then Montgomery Cliff. I mean, that was a a performance changing of his career. And um, phenomenal, phenomenal. I also had Grant Stewart and Claude Rains. Oh, wow. So so James Stewart and Cary Grant seem to be uh, on everybody's list because they're definitely on mine. Naturally, I would go with uh, James Stewart in Vertigo. I, I just absolutely cannot think of another movie where where I was just so drawn into a performance of someone with such an obsession as James Stewart had with Kim Novak's character, even when he was driving around in that car and looking all over San Francisco or following her. <laughs> I mean, that scene must have lasted for 12 minutes. <laughs> And it's just it's just Jimmy Stewart in the car driving around, and I was just I was just hooked. 
Yeah, but that so, one up at the top of the church in the tower, uh, <gasps> the last one was just so magnificent. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That, well, that whole... The mission, I'm yeah. sorry, yes. Yeah, that's right, where the the character fell from that from that bell tower. That was really, really something. And uh, I also thought that uh, Cary Grant was just wonderful in almost all of the films that he did with uh, Alfred Hitchcock. My favorite was uh, North by Northwest. And uh, I did, uh, I was as suspicious as Joan Fontaine's character was of Cary Grant in Suspicion. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That, that was a magnificent uh, uh portrait that Cary Grant did and, and uh, Hitchcock wanted him to be evil but at the time uh, Cary Grant was so popular they didn't want him to be the studio didn't want him to be evil in the film they wanted Hitchcock to change the ending if you remember the he had a glass of milk that he was carrying to Joan Fontaine that he was going to poison her with Oh, yeah, that was a great scene. And uh, Fausta, one of our loyal listeners, that was uh, what she said in an email that she sent to me yesterday, that she loved that scene where he's coming in and carrying yeah. that glass of milk. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all wondering, oh, what my gosh, <laughs> is he guilty or not? Yes, <laughs> well, yes that's, that was the great thing about Hitchcock films. You never knew whether they were guilty or not, even though they looked guilty. They may yeah. not have been. Exactly. There's a, there's, a funny, there's a funny story about Cary Grant and Hitchcock's uh, resolve not to change anything. Cary Grant wanted to change one of his scenes and to catch a thief. So not to make him mad, uh, Hitch said, okay, well, shoot it your way and my way. The unbeknownst to Cary, he had gone to the whole cast and said, when it comes time and we do both, you will clap at mine, which they all did, and, of course, that's the one he used, his own. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is good. I like that. I'd have to add Joseph Cotton to my uh, list in in Shadow of a Doubt because uh, he was he was just so charming as Uncle Uncle Charlie. And, yes, yes. Again, and, somebody he, who who you didn't think was evil. Right, but and his nice. niece finally finally his niece finally caught on to him, and uh, you know then she was in trouble, and <laughs> it it it. Uh, but he. He definitely uh, charmed us, you know, and you could see how he would, how he would charm people and be able to do whatever he wanted to with them. So I would go with uh, Joseph Cotton, Cary Grant, and James Stewart. What about actresses? Who are you asking? Yeah. Okay, James. <laughs> <laughs> James. I'll speak. I was thinking. Uh, David was just David was just leaving, and I was just making sure that he uh, he closed the door so we didn't have any noise of the cameras being slept out. <laughs> okay, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, James. What actresses have given the best performances uh, in Hitchcock well, I'm, films? I'm going to pick an unusual one: Doris Day in Man Who Knew Too Much. I thought she oh. did a very good job in that, especially her high C screaming at the end. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Jazz's favorite tool, the Bankhead in Lifeboat. And a wonderful woman who never quite was a star, but she was a star character, and that's Thelma Ritter in Rear Window. Oh yes, she was wonderful in everything. She was, she was she wonderful made. in everything, no matter what she did. But and then Ingrid Bergman in Notorious, I thought that was good. And my final one, of course, is my favorite, Joan Fontaine and Judith Anderson in Rebecca. Joan, you know, is still with us. She's in her nineties. 
Oh, she I, is? Yeah, and I believe she lives up near Doris Day, up in Carmel. Well, we'd better try and get a hold of them. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> so they could come on the show. Don't hold your breath with Doris Day because she doesn't do anything, but uh, Joan Fontaine might. Yes, I, and I think her sister Olivia, Olivia de Havilland is still she's, alive. Uh, yeah, she's in her 90s as well, and she lives in Paris. Yeah, well, it'll be easier to get a hold of Joan Fontaine, so I'm on the case, okay? Yes, okay, All good. Right. And what about you, Diana, the best actresses that uh, Hitchcock worked with? Well, I have, a, have to agree with Ingrid Bergman, um, and of course Grace Kelly, who was in many of the movies. Um, have to say Janet Lee for um, Jazz with the, Bir- the Birds, and Ann Baxter for I Confess, and of course Kim Novak for your favorite movie. Good. I'm glad that Kim Novak got on your list or somebody's list. That's great. And, and what about you, Jazz? Uh, I, I won't even go through all five because a lot of them have been mentioned. I, I will put in another vote for Bergman. And I also wanted to say definitely Tippi Hendren. Uh, just I, maybe it's a sentimental favorite because we've talked to her, but yeah. just you know, just such a nice performance. And going back to the exact same film, I, I wanted to throw in a quick vote for Suzanne Pluchette. Oh, oh yeah. yes, in the birds. Yeah, yeah. she Suzanne was. Pluchette in the birds. Yes. And that's good. the first time I saw her, and I I was very impressed with her. Very young and a, and a very impressive performance. Yes, I thought I thought so too. And these are great selections. It's hard to pick who were the best because he worked with with so many wonderful actresses. But I'd have to go along with you, Jazz, uh, and maybe it is a sentimental favorite. Uh, but Tippi Hedren was absolutely sensational in The Birds. And I remember when we interviewed her, how excited she was about uh, being selected by Alfred Hitchcock when she was a model, you know, to be in his film, and how she had no dramatic training, and uh, so he became her drama coach, and she said she just put herself in his, she was like putty in his hands, and, you know, she would want to do whatever whatever he said, and, and then, of course, she did get a little injury in the birds but well, well you better people... go to Nikki for the chat room because we're getting some votes for a unexpected candidate on the best actress. Oh. Okay, well I'm going to I'm going to say Joan Fontaine and Rebecca and Ingrid Bergman in Under Capricorn, but I have to say that Hitchcock himself always said that Ingrid Bergman and Joan Fontaine uh inspired him. So, um I think he he really did favor those those two actresses. But Nikki, tell us what's what actresses are being and actors are being well, mentioned in the chat room. As as usual, your chat is brilliant. They really are, and I want to thank them oh, for yeah. participating because they are. And so AJ says, what about Julie Andrews in The Torn Curtain? Okay. Oh, I'd forgotten about her. Right. And then Debbie Daly says that in her opinion, Jessica Tandy had the hardest role in The Birds, so she didn't want to leave her out. Oh, no, and Tippi had mentioned Jessica, working with Jessica uh, Tandy was oh, such... Right. Yeah, remember, she really raved about Jessica Tandy and yeah. how she helped her, too, in The Birds. Well, those are two that we wouldn't have thought about, so thank you, Chatters. We do have, awesome. have the most perceptive, awesome Chatters, right, on Blog Talk Radio, and we then thank I you. Then I have a quick much. question. Yeah. That I think one of y'all will be able to answer. Did he make cameos in every one of his movies? James, you're the film historian. Did Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> do what Nikki said? 
Uh, no, I don't think he made them in every one of his films because, you know, he went back to the silent days. But he did start making right. a lot of significant ones, especially in Lifeboat. He had to be very clever about how, well, how was he going to appear in the middle of the ocean? Well, it right. turned out that uh, one of the actors picked up a newspaper on the floor of the boat and there was Alfred Hitchcock in an ad <laughs> for, for uh, reducing pills, diet yep. pills. <laughs> I'm glad James mentioned that because otherwise I would have had to. That was probably the most clever insertion because how was he going to get into the lifeboat? That was Very, I thought that was so clever and funny. That is, as, yeah, as funny yeah. As well. well, he he did have the <laughs> did have a lot of humor and that showed up also in his uh, TV series Alfred Hitchcock Presents that he did for a couple of years on on TV. I always enjoyed that. Oh, that was a great much. show, yeah. Those are available on DVD, by the way, right now, and I already I already have them. And are they, Jeff? You, you, yeah. you can get them now on DVD, and they're fabulous. Alfred Hitchcock's oh. Presents, yes. Wonderful. Great, great. Well, I'm wondering, um, were there were there any Hitchcock movies that didn't live up to his standards? Diana, can you think of any that um, were... Bad movies. You know, I, 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 I unfortunately have to confess I haven't seen a lot of his movies. So um, oh. as far as what I've seen so far, I would say no. But I know there's many that I haven't, so I'm really not a good judge of that. How about you, James? Have you seen any that were not up to his usual standards? Uh, well, yeah, d- during his waning years, he didn't do too well with a lot of films. But uh, one that I thought had potential but didn't quite live up to it was The Trouble with Harry. Yeah. With Shirley MacLaine, which I think was her first film, and uh, it wasn't as funny as it could be, and uh, I just think it kind of fell flat. I don't know, Jazz. Do you know that film? I saw it. I don't remember being terribly impressed, but it wasn't on my list of the ones that I thought didn't live up. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was one of his one of his best movies, but no. I did uh, I, I did enjoy watching it, and I I love Edmund Gwen, and I believe he was in. The trouble with Harry. Oh yeah. So he, he always he, he always made it. Yeah. He he always makes made a movie worth seeing. As far as I was concerned. Well, Jazz, what what were the ones that you felt didn't live up to his standards? Well, I I only had two that I wanted to pick out that I saw, and I and I still remember on the couple occasions that I've seen them, thinking you know that that's really not much for Hitchcock, and uh, I'm sure I'll make some enemies, but I thought Under Capricorn and Topaz were both kind of subpar. I was going to pick Topaz as well, Jazz. You and I think alike. <laughs> well, a lot on this subject, we certainly do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're you're right on right on each other's wavelength with yeah. uh, Alfred Alfred Hitchcock, and I have to agree about um, his last movie, Family Plot, Plot, which was about a couple of con artists. He he was not at the top of his game when he did that. And, no, yeah. I, that was a bomb. Yeah, and I understand. That there were some bombs when he was doing films in England. I was just uh, reading a book called Hitchcock: The First 44 Movies. It's just a fabulous book, and oh. and they talk the two authors who are now who were became filmmakers. They were just at the time they wrote the book. They were just uh, film, just writing about film, and uh, they talked about a, a film called Waltzes from Vienna in 1933, which was a film version of a Johann Strauss operetta. And I just cannot imagine (laughs) Alfred Hitchcock doing (laughs) an operetta. And they also mentioned a comedy that he made in 1928 
that reviewers said it was a, a superficial satire filled with pathetic tricks. And they mentioned <laughs> the skin game in 1931, and even Hitchcock himself didn't like to be reminded <laughs> of the skin game's existence, and when anyone mentioned it, he would put his hands over his ears, and he wouldn't <laughs> listen. So I would like to get—I would like to see those three movies to see if they're as bad as uh, as the as the authors of uh, Hitchcock, the first 44 movies, claim. But uh, but evidently, they—he won no respect <laughs> in England for those three. <laughs> for Absolutely. Those three. Yeah. Well, you, I think. This is a good place to stop the tape. As you can see, folks, we had a great time paying tribute to the master of suspense. Thanks so much to James, Diana, Jazz, Nikki, and our wonderful chatters for making this episode something special. And to Danny Dyer for uploading it for us. I also want to thank our current chatters. It was such fun talking with uh, Mary and with Nancy Lombardo, who has her own wonderful show on Blog Talk Radio called Comedy Concepts. I think Mary and uh, Nancy are both uh, avid Hitchcock fans, just like uh, like I am and like uh, Diana and Jazz and James uh, are. And I want to remind all Hitchcock fans about the Film Preservation Blogathon taking place this week. It's designed to help the National Film Preservation Foundation raise funds to stream The White Shadow on their website so that everyone with access to a computer will be able to see it. This newly restored film just happens to be Hitchcock's first credited feature, um, made back in 1923, and I understand he served uh, in various capacities on, on the movie, uh, such as assistant director, editor, and art director. If you'd like more information about the blogathon, go to Ferdy on Films, that's F-E-R-D-Y on Films, and that's F-I-L-M-S dot com. You know, folks, it's been an honor for me to host a tribute to Alfred Hitchcock and to participate in this year's Film Preservation Blogathon because Hitchcock's films almost always exceed my expectations for suspense and mystery. And uh, no wonder Movie Maker Magazine called Hitch the most influential filmmaker of all time. That might be right. Also, the Britain's Daily Telegraph said that Hitchcock did more than any other director to shape modern cinema, so no wonder fans like me are so excited about the possibility of seeing The White Shadow. But you know, I've often wondered what was the key to Hitchcock's fascination with mystery and suspense. Could it be traced back to something in his childhood? Maybe so. Just listen to this revealing excerpt from the opening paragraph of Eric Romer and Claude Chabrol's The First 44 Films of Alfred Hitchcock. Then judge for yourselves. Here's what the authors wrote. Quote, Alfred Hitchcock was born in London on August 13, 1899, and was brought up rather strictly. His father was a strong believer in discipline and could impose unusual and impressive punishments. For example... One day, young Alfred decided on a brief escapade and indulged in his favorite pastime, a bus ride from one end of the city to the other. Papa Hitchcock, who was a friend of the local police commissioner, staged a dramatic scene that ended with his prodigal son spending the night in jail, unquote. So, dear listeners, who knows what kind of terrors little Alfred faced during what might have been a frightening night for him all alone 
in that dark cell. That's all for now, folks. It's time to wrap things up. So this is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for featuring our Alfred Hitchcock tribute show as one of today's staff picks. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate all our listeners, and we hope that you'll come back next time for another spirited discussion about movies. Now, in honor of the Master of Suspense, it seems only fitting to go out listening to, you guessed it, Mysterious Music. <laughs> 